This is the Motley Fool Money Mailbag. Welcome to Motley Fool Money and our very special Sunday morning mailbag edition. Tell you what, Ram, we've been off for about a month. I've still got it. I can still roll out those words like it was yesterday, despite the fact our listeners would much prefer me actually come up with something new so I didn't have to repeat myself every single bloody Sunday morning. But I'm not going to. Good morning, mate. Good morning. How are you? How are you? I'm very well. How are you? (laughs) I always have to say, I have to have a little chuckle to myself. I don't know how you consume podcasts, but- I, I would argue that one of the value props is it's, it's there on demand. <laughs> so you're saying the morning thing doesn't isn't relevant anymore? Well, it's relevant to some, um, but there may be. I would I would posit there's probably plenty of people listening to this on a Tuesday afternoon or a Friday, you know, midnight or you know. So I know Let's it gets released. Go uh, oh I know it gets released on a Sunday morning. Yeah. But we also uh, know people listen to it in the morning. Like we did respond to a question had this released earlier, so that some that's of our true. Could take it on the walk with them. So that I'm, is true. You know, well, who was the was the character or the context of good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night? Do you remember that? Is that there's something there? Oh, uh, well, that famous. Walter Cronkite thing. No, uh, I don't what know. Should go with. What yes. Should go with that? Yes. Anyway, yeah. yeah, that's what you want. Uh, and and even, even more than that, mate, we actually recorded this on a morning, but not Sunday morning. There so you go. We're, we're even further removed from the old Sunday morning facade. However, <laughs> however, good morning. Um, mate, uh, <laughs> speaking of New Year's resolutions, um, as we were on Friday, your Sunday morning pre, uh, pre-podcast pre workout regime, I assume, has, has lasted <laughs> over the break and well into 2024? Of course it has. I completely abstained from... Uh, <laughs> You know, drink and unhealthy food and, you know, just out there every day pounding the pavement. My body, so is a, my body is a temple. <laughs> I'm just so impressed you get up at three in the morning and do three hours of meditation. I, I, I didn't strike me as a sort of guy, but yeah. maybe- yeah, Full of surprises. Full of surprises. Full of surprises. <laughs> hey, yeah, should we go for the question from Brendan, mate? Uh, again, not yeah. the first mailbag of 2024, but the first one we've recorded one. Yes. Uh, and, and Brendan has absolutely managed- to hit one straight down your particular fairway, Mr. Page. And no, it's not Bitcoin. Uh, I was going to say, we got in trouble on Friday for that. I promise you I wouldn't ask him about Bitcoin, but it's the other one. Property? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hi, Scott and Rampage, he says. The bloke's yarning my favorite podcast every week. Thank you, mate. I love what you do. I've got a good old property question. Maybe it'll be fun to set a timer and see how long the ranser <laughs> will take. Not answer, but ranser. I like that. Please do not hold back, says Brendan. Brendan, don't, don't give him that. I know you do not give personal advice, but let's Green imagine light. there is a couple in their early 30s, one a nurse and one a teacher, who want to buy a house. You'd Good think luck. a couple of skilled, educated professionals who are pivotal for modern society could afford a roof over their heads within an hour of their own city. No chance. Brackets, Sydney. Wrong, says Brennan, and no chance, says Bram. Well, anyways, I guess they will make a move a few hours north or south to somewhere they can, quotes, afford. My question ties into investing in the way we consider risk. You blokes often speak about people who maximize their debt and might, well, be screwed if things don't go to plan. Then my question comes from there. For a couple of Aussie battlers who want to settle down somewhere, plant things in the garden and build a sense of community, and not have their rent put up at the end of the year, or be told to move for renovations, what would a safe LVR be in your eyes? Is there an amount or does it depend? (laughs) Yes. Engage rant is the instruction (laughs) that follows that one. Uh, It probably does depend, Ram, but uh, LVR, so loan to valuation ratio, how much should a young couple borrow for their own homes? We're talking about property investors here. We're talking about owner-occupiers, residential property. Again, Mm. as Brendan knows, we can't give hypothetical advice to hypothetical nurses and teachers, but... uh, do you do you have a, a thought about how to approach a, a personal LVR, um, which is again for an occupier rather than an investor? Yeah, I've, I've got a lot of thoughts, unsurprisingly. Um, <laughs> and as I said uh, towards the end of last year, which is still the case, uh, mm. we're in the market. You know, we're looking we're looking around. In the market, and, and, I, and I well, I I use that. You're not going to buy a property. You're in the market. I Go use on. that term correctly <laughs> yeah. because I am I am looking in the market to buy. Once I have bought. Yes. I am now out of the market, right? Because I'm because I'm not. My house won't be for sale because I will be true, living true. in it. True, uh, true. But that 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 doesn't live rent free in my head at all. Um, um, I think, and so so yeah, I've thought a lot about this. And for yeah. me, it's not so much the LVR, but it's the absolute quantum of the debt itself. Right. So I think if someone could have an LVR of ninety nine percent, 
you know, and be perfectly fine if it's a hundred thousand dollar property and they're earning three million dollars a year, for example, right. to give a stupid yes, example. Yes, yes. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Yeah. You know, or someone could have a twenty percent LVR, but it could be a four million dollar mortgage and you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it's it's it- So is it the amount of debt or is it the amount of debt relative to income rather than the property value? Um, is it an absolute number or is it a relative number based on income? I think a lot of people throw shade at the price to income or debt mm. to income and that. And I, I think they're right in a certain sense. But I think mm. like a lot of men, like with the share market, we talk about this a lot, actually. There's there's no one um, all-encompassing metric that will tell you everything. But there are lots of metrics that can be useful if applied in the right way. The classic example probably being the price to earnings ratio. Now, I don't think anyone would really say it's completely useless. There's plenty of people say, well, it's got its limitations, yeah, and I'd, yeah. I'd be one of those people, right? Yeah, it's a good starting point, but it's not enough, exactly. But I'm not, I'm not going to just completely dismiss it. In fact, Correct. it's it's like that um, bell curve meme you might see on, on Twitter or whatever. It's sort of, you know, it's got one end, it's like, oh, I just think about the PE in the middle. It's, no, it's all about discounted cash flows. And at the right, you've got the Jedi saying, no, just think about the PE, right? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and this is how Buffett, I think, uh, is able to make decisions mm. so quickly. Mm. It's not because the PE is going to tell you everything, but the PE is going once you've got the proper context, the PE can tell you an incredible amount of stuff. And and so I, I feel as though there's there's a lot of parallels there when it comes to these these kinds of ratios. So um, does price house price average house price to average income matter? Mm. Well, not really. If rates are super low and likely to stay, they were less likely, less important than than uh, if the opposite was sort of true. But it's still dep- it's still going to impact the amount of deposit you need to sort of get started. It is still going to represent. It is still going to have something to say about the level of risk should interest rates change at some point over a 20 to 30 year mortgage period. So you know what I mean? Like there's, there's, there is, I think it's, I think it's useful, th- those kinds of things. So when I'm looking at it, I'm, uh, what is it? It's 2024. Oh my God. It's 2024 this year. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to be 49, right? Later on oh, this year. You poor and old bloke. I'm, so a, we've gone, I'm a young, thankfully. So that's all right. Yeah, that's right. You're a whole month younger. <laughs> You whippersnapper. <laughs> exactly. I'll never uh, let you forget it. Go on. <laughs> and, and we went to the mortgage broker. I told this story last year, right? It was like scarily how much they would throw money yeah. at me. Like scary. <laughs> like, no, I don't want that much. Oh, you might as well. They're like, what? Okay. Take the money, take the money. Okay, I guess I will. Um, uh, where was I going with that? Oh, oh so the, 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 the point is, is that this is a 30-year mortgage. Mm. So I'm going to be 79 when I when I pay it off, hmm. I don't want to work to seventy nine. I, I might not be able to work to seventy nine, right? So, so I that's why I say for me it's 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 and when I look at the quantum of debt that we're looking to take on, hmm. I just feel as though it's doable at the amounts that that are in play here. And, and let me emphasize this is very modest amounts and we're talking about moving moving a long way from where we are now just to just to sort of get our foot on the, the proverbial ladder um but but it, it's going to require me of divesting myself of everything and it's going to require me and my wife working non-stop for 30 odd years to to do that now what is the lvr it doesn't actually matter in that point because that's that's the point for me anyway so I'm trying to f- uh, square the circle in a way where I can continue to keep my toe in the water with, with some investments because that's where my passion is and that's where the real returns are um, and be able to have a house where we aren't we aren't going to be like having heart palpitations every time <laughs> Michelle Bullock opens her mouth, right? Like, like as most Australians are, it's just like there are conniptions, you know, people jumping out of windows just because of the, you know, a quarter of a percent interest rate change. And, and that's, yep. that is not a life I want to live. So I, I look at it in, in, in absolute terms. Um, and so I would come at it from that. It's like, well, relative to where we want to buy, relative to the amount that we can put down, relative to the amount of years that we're prepared to sort of work to make that all um, make sense, are we comfortable with that? And that, that's the question I can't answer, but I, I, would, I would frame it out in that way. What's so crushingly, um, diabolically heartbreaking is that when you, unless you are an investment banker or a surgeon or a politician, <laughs> um, it, it's, not, it's, not, it's not even, it's, I think mathematically it's not even possible, right? Like uh, my wife's uh, studying to become a teacher right now, mid, mid-career transition change. I was like, I don't, I don't know how. I, I just don't know how we. It's not like, oh, should we do it? Could we stretch it? Like, no, it's just a physically, mathematically mm. impossible. Unless she wants to do a two or three hour commute, 
And in fact, there the school there where she's doing some placements at the moment. This is the discussion that's being had: is that all the old teachers who uh, of the older generation who were buying houses at four times income, just to bring up that metric again, are going to retire soon. They want to retire, right? Um, they can retire. <laughs> um, well, who are you going to replace them with? No, no one can live in these areas. Not, let, settling teachers, was the average salary there's about 90K, as, as I understand it, at this, at this point in time. And so even if you wanted to buy a two-bedroom unit in I don't know, Stanmore in Sydney, just as an example, you, you're already knocking on the door of $1.5 million for some rundown piece of uh, poo. <laughs> um, so I, I, I actually don't know what you do in that scenario other than make a compromise on size or location. So you go to regional Victoria or, you know, New South Wales, you know, somewhere out in the country. And I think a lot to be said for that. In fact, I'd be very tempted to do that if I could convince um, the other decision maker in, in my household unit to do that. I think that, 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 is, that is one possibility uh, to do it. Or you mm-hmm. say, we're just going to live in a shoebox and we're going to sublet it out to, you know, mm. uh, a bunch of students as well. Because <laughs> how, else, how else do you make it work? I, 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 um, I saw a great tweet. Um, last night, actually, from there's a Reserve Bank of Property sort of spoof account. And there's a, a link to an article there. It's like Sydney Siders, Carolyn and Chris decided to forego home ownership instead opting to use their money to invest in property. In other words, they're doing the rent vesting, which I, I just, I know I'm going to get a whole bunch of hate mail on this because I'm sure a lot of people are doing it. But to me, it's just like the most insane thing. And, and the quote mm-hmm. from the Twitter account was, they couldn't afford to buy property, so instead they bought a property. It's all about property. And I just thought it sums it up That's great. perfectly. Because I bet if you were to ask this question on a number of other podcasts or speak to financial, they would sort of say, well, there's an option. Rent in the area you want to live and buy a property elsewhere. And it's like, wait a second. How does, how does that even work? And as one of the replies in that tweet said, we price someone poorer than us out of the housing in their suburb while supporting someone richer than us, pricing, out, pricing us out of our suburb. Which means it's, you have yeah. this sort of domino effect where it just sort of like, it is so fundamentally broken that I, I don't know what to say. I don't, mm. I, I don't know what to say in response to this question. Mm. And I don't know what to do personally myself, again, other than live in a, live in a, uh, a shoebox or, or, or move a million miles away. Now, before any people of a certain generation running and say, well, we had to compromise on all of that kind of stuff. And I, when I say- living in a shoebox for someone in their mid-30s. Fertility rates drop very rapidly after about mid-30s for, for ladies and about mid-40s for, for gentlemen. So if, if you never want to have kids, then you've got some options there. Um, if, and I have no value judgment whether you do or don't, but if you do, mm. good, good luck. I mean, right. how, how do you start a family while shouldering that, that debt, right? Because no one can stay home. You've both got to work. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you can't, you actually can't do it. So this is why it is far more than a financial discussion. This is a societal wide problem. Oh, Andrew, and, uh, Brendy gets that with his next, with his next question around. Don't, don't fire all your bullets. Uh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm gonna, I want to let you get, get a word in edgewise here, but I just, I, I guess what I'm lamenting because I don't, if you've got an answer, let me know because mm-hmm. I, I don't know what else yeah. you, you do. Um, so, and if, if you want to raise children and, and, and do all of that while living in a, you know, tiny little um, studio apartment that's full of mold and leaks and has termites and all the rest, like, uh, and then, which, which, which will require maintenance and, and expenditure as well. Don't forget on top of everything else. I, I just, help me out, man. Like maybe I'm going to put it to you. Tell me what to well, do. Well, for, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you make this one way or the other. If you want me to go first, and you can come back to it. But the, mm-hmm. he did, he did sort of ask how much you should borrow. I, I am pretty keen for us to that there are big social issues. And we'll get to those in a second again. Mm-hmm. But right. is there, is there an answer for him? Again, we can't give specific personal advice. But is there a, is there a you said it's about the amount of debt, which is cool. Mm-hmm. What what is do do you have a sense of what the right number or the right approach yeah. is for Brendan or someone like Brendan to think about how much debt they were prepared to take on to to buy a dwelling? I think there's, there's people have come up with formal definitions of how much yeah. of your disposable income you need to put towards housing mm. serviceability mm. costs before it's it's unaffordable, and it's not actually a high number. I think I think at this point in time, don't quote me on this, but some scarily high percentage of people are in either mortgage stress or rental stress. Yeah. Um, 
Now, this is in some way an arbitrary number that someone has mm-hmm. come up with because they feel it's appropriate yeah. to draw a line in the sand. And it's not like, you know, one cent below that. It's, hey, it's easy street. And one cent <laughs> above that, I, I can't do anything. Can't do it. Yeah, yeah. But I think the framing is really interesting. I think it's I think it's the right way to look at it. And I think it's a, that's why it's a person. It is a, it depends. And it's a personal mm-hmm. question. How much of your disposable income do you, are you prepared to throw at this? And for how long are you prepared to do that? And that's the answer to the question. For me personally, I don't want to work until I'm 79. I don't. And, um, and I, and I don't want to do it in such a way that it has massive opportunity costs and that we never get to go on holidays. We never, Mm. we, we can hardly ever go out for dinner. You know, we're, we just, we, we, we have, we are quote unquote in the market on the ladder, <laughs> but we're debt slaves. Yeah. And, and, and I, I'm going to die at some point in the future with debt, you know, <laughs> and, and, and having a life where all I'm doing is, is, is paying, we might not call it rent, but we're basically paying rent to the bank instead of to a landlord. I'm paying it in the form of, of interest to the bank. And it's just like, it's so crushingly disappointed. So where is that comfort level for you is, is the answer. And I, I, I don't know if there is – I think if you do answer that, uh, unless you're someone who is prepared to really, really work a long time to pay for it, I don't think there is a, a solution which is tenable. That, and that's, that's the problem. Though, Ram. Well, there are people younger than us, in theory. Okay. So let's say <laughs> university, tertiary education um, – Probably not the way to go, by the way. Do a trade, I would say. Um, but, you know, tertiary education for something that might get you an above average salary for you and a partner um, so that your household income when you graduate. By the way, you know, even even doctors when they first graduate aren't on big bucks, yeah. right? Like not at all relative to the training and investment they've made in that education and the rest mm. of it. And that's even true if you <clears> – I <throat> used investment banking before as well. The entry-level jobs are very average than what, what you might consider as, as, as typically high. But I, let, let's say that two young people, early 20s, no kids, no debts, have a pre-tax um, household income of $250,000, right? So that's a lot of money. It's a lot. The, the, the average, I believe, the average uh, salary Australia-wide is something like $80,000 for a full-time worker. So this is, this is well above the average. Um, now, you're not living in your car, hopefully, so you're renting somewhere. And again, depending on where you are, but I know if you're anywhere sort of in the you know, 20Ks of mm. Melbourne or Sydney CBD, you're getting close to 1000 bucks, right, a, a week yep. kind of thing, very yep. close to that. So you've got to factor in, in, in that cost. You've got to factor in just like living, and I mean, again, not just living on two-minute noodles. You say, well, what's left over after tax, after expenses that I can put together a deposit on? Now- the average median house uh, price in, in these cities is, I think, it's over $1.2 million. So that means only 200, um, let's call it a quarter of a million dollars round up as a 20% deposit. All right. Now, meanwhile, because the conventional wisdom is that the property doubles every seven years, which I can't say with a straight face, but let's go with it, um, uh, you know, which is compounding away at sort of, you know, what is it, 10% or, or, or something a year. So I've somehow got to, Starting off with 250, mm, mm. growing that at about 10% a year, um, both of us working in jobs that are well above the average. I'm mm. prob, and again, let's not talk about the mom and bank of mum and dad mm. just yet. If you've got that, then, then, then good for you, but a lot of people mm, don't. Mm. Um, and there's problems with that too that we can get to. But then you're probably talking about being mid 30s by the time you've got your deposit. So here we are back at the beginning mm. again. So I get that yeah. there are people younger than that, but it's just like we <laughs> if you do everything and let's and let's forget you've got to be someone who's in their early 20s who's smart enough to do that. And I can tell you I wasn't smart right. enough to do that in my mid 20s like cuz I was going to live forever and I was going to make a million dollars because the world would recognize the brilliance and genius that I bring to the table and people are going to throw <laughs> money at com. me. <clears throat> that, that's that's what you think when you're 20, right? You you have yeah. that that hubris and arrogance of, of youth and it's a thing it's a wonderful thing because thank thank goodness we have uh, i think it's important for society that we have people who reach for the stars right yeah. but but before the before the weight of the world crushes your spirit and grinds your soul and aspirations into the ground <laughs> as it does for, for people of my generation like, you know the bar humbug gen x you know is just like everything sucks um before you get to that stage um of of your life i mean again how how does it how does it mathematically makes sense is my point. And I, I, so I throw it back to you. Okay. 
Uh, I, uh, it's, a, it's a very, very difficult question. Brendan, I don't know is the answer, but I would say a couple of things. Firstly, I think... I don't necessarily disagree with much of what Ram says. I'm slightly less negative. Maybe that's because I have a mortgage in a home and he doesn't. So that's probably probably part of the, you know, the, the, the hopelessness of like, trying to buy a place now is is brutal. Um, I bought mine a little while ago and I bought that of selling another one. So to some degree, it's kind of, you know, the first decision was, was a while ago and prices were lower, frankly, uh, which makes everything easier because you're selling and then buying in the same market. Um, I would... Here's the... Here's the great thing. We can't get personal advice, right? But, 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 but. Um, you've got a couple of skills. Um, uh, nurses and teachers are unlikely to be able to work anytime soon. So that's kind of cool, right? So what, what, think about LVR, I'm thinking about risks. That's really what I'm, what I'm thinking about, right? Um, and if you think about how much money can you afford to repay, you start with saying, okay, well, are we likely to keep our jobs? Probably. I mean, I don't know how far a nurse has to travel or how many hospitals are going to be, but I figure there's going to be a lot. I don't think we're going to run out of teachers anytime soon or net roles for teachers, I should say, anytime soon. We're probably going to run out of teachers before we run out of school. Of there's, a massive, so, there's a massive teacher shortage right now. Right. So, so your incomes are about as secure as you could hope for, I think, in, in Australia in 2024. Um, I'm more likely to get fired than you are, right? So there's, there's that, unless you do something horribly stupid, which, again, don't rule out because people are fallible, but let's assume you're not going to. Um, so that's a win. I, I think... Uh, I would say right now, if you the, the benefit of buying a house is you lock in the purchase price, not the interest rate before Andrew jumps down the microphone, but the, the purchase price. So you know that, right? So you, you've got a certain income and you buy a house that's locked in. I would suspect, frankly, that interest rates won't go much higher if they go higher at all. Probably start going lower over a period of time. Doesn't mean they can't go up higher than this at some point again in the future. Maybe they do. They over 30 years probably at some point they're more than the current rate I guess I would I would to assume. I wouldn't bet on it but I would provide right. a buffer as correct, a correct. as a sensible thing to do correct um, that's that's yeah exactly so so I I if I was if I was buying a house today for myself I wouldn't buy an investment property necessarily today but if I was buying a house for myself today if I felt the repayments were affordable, and again, Rams kind of talked about the fact that they aren't for a whole lot of people, so I don't want to, I don't, wanna, you know, uh, ride rush out of that and not not give that due consideration. But if you can buy a house and the repayments are affordable at the current interest rate, there's a decent chance that if you the good thing about buying at a close to a peak interest rate is your incomes are going to go up over time, your asset value is locked in, and interest rates will fluctuate, but they should probably go flat or down in the near term which makes your life easier rather than harder from today. If you buy today at today's interest rate, you're probably paying less in repayments in a year's time or two years time. And by the time they start going back up again, maybe it's, I don't know. And again, don't quote me because the RBA doesn't know. So I don't know. Maybe they start going up again in two years time uh, You're from, from, the, from a low point. So maybe they get back to this level in, I don't know, five years. We're making stuff up. You've had a pay rise over that period of time. It was affordable to start with. And so you're probably in a pretty good place. So I've got to say, notwithstanding the fact that housing is generally stupidly unaffordable anyway, if you can afford it, I think now-ish in a cycle is probably a pretty good time to be buying. Um, but allow for the things that Ram talked about. Uh, how, kids in particular, you're not going to get fired anytime soon in those two jobs, but one of you may want to take some time off to have a kid or two kids or three kids um, and that kind of stuff. So I think that's that's kind of my... That's kind of my take. Um, I'm with Ram. The LVR itself doesn't matter. I, you know, I I actually think banks are too conservative with their LVRs. Um, I, I could be earning a million dollars a year, and they'd still require an eighty percent or ninety five percent deposit. Uh, you know, um, LVR. And you kind of go, well, hang on. If I'm buying a hundred thousand dollar property, use Ram's example before. I'm, I'm you know, why why is the bank? I'm on the hook anyway for the debt, right? So yes, they want more protection than they need. I'm not convinced that the LVR is useful. I'm not convinced in the current price. Um, stratosphere that we're in that a big deposit is necessary it's far more you know your ability to repay is far more useful hence the both ram and my points about income rather than rather than lvrs per se so that's what i would do if i could afford it on the current uh, income at a reasonably comfortable level i would suspect the odds are pretty good that things get easier for you guys before they get then get harder than they will be and maybe not this hard again for quite a while, by which time you should have had an, in an increase in your income anyway. So if it's, if it's affordable and manageable at current levels, I think you're in a pretty good place. Now, allow buffers, allow risk, allow all that sort of stuff. I don't, please don't, you know, put yourself on the on the, on the a hair trigger. Um, but I, I would say if you can afford it now, not a, not a bad time to be. Can, 
buying not because i have a view on future prices because again the assets locked in i'm talking about a, a residential yeah. owner occupied no, i don't care what the price happens to the price from here sure you've already, you've already bought it right doesn't matter uh, but it doesn't it doesn't right. matter because exactly. exactly. you're buying something for utility god we are Correct. so we have financialized the hell out of these things so much yeah. that's the only thing that we can tell you is what's it worth how much it's like it doesn't kind it's kind of irrelevant really yeah, it matters right. at a point in time but you you made the exact point it's like it, it, even if I'm going to uh, move, like I'm buying and selling in the same market. So the market could crash 30%. It could double. It doesn't really matter once they're there. All that matters is, is can I service it? And, and can I do it comfortably? I would go out on a limb here and say with the listeners that unless there's, there's one of three possibilities that means that it is affordable um, uh, if, if they are looking in any of the major population centers. It's either they have mum and dad have a ton of equity that they're happy to lend. By the way, to lend. Or maybe they give. Maybe that's maybe even better, right? But but land if they land, that's that's still more on the debt. So uh, that's great if you've if you've got that. Trouble with that is is that that's sort of like one of the only sort of strings left to pull on, and everyone's pulled on it. So it's kind of like you, these tricks all sort of help when they're new, and then once once they become the norm, it's sort of like well then that's tapped out. We've talked before about sort of the two income family increasing affordability for households and the lower interest rates in, in improving affordability. It's like, great, I agree with all of that, but now, okay, now what? Done. Both of those are working. Okay, great. Uh, historic uh, multi-decade you know, lo- lows is to where we got to. Can't go below that. It's like, okay, done. Uh, now what? Um, um, uh, uh, 30 year, 40 year mortgages. Okay, right. Okay, well, let's do that. Okay, done. Uh, reduce serviceability buffers. Um, okay, done. Uh, tap mum and dad. Okay, done. I mean, once it's done, it's done. And this is the problem with the first home buyer grants and the rest. Of it. It's like, well, yeah. it, it affects everyone. So it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. It, we, we we all run faster, but the treadmill starts turning faster. The rising so tide lifts all boats. Right. It's, exactly. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. Okay. So so anyway. So maybe you've got that. Maybe mum and dad have got a whole bunch of money that they're prepared to lend you. So in, in which, which case, that's cool. Uh, maybe you've got a bunch of equity because you've already bought a house. And like it, it, people of our generation and above, that's their genius was just being cho- choosing to be born at the right time. That's that's, that's the skill involved here, right? Um, uh, but but again, this is we're talking about this particular listener, so that's that's not a, a thing. Um, or you have very high incomes, or, or teachers and nurses, so that's not a thing as well. So the only option. The only option is with mum and mum and dad helping out. Really, I, I would or the lottery, right? So, or as I say, like you know, you you, you decide you want to you want to live in in Cooper PD or, or somewhere like that. Um, but there's not a lot of jobs out at places like that as well. So mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I, I, it is it is not a I I really bristle at people pe- people who have actually in very different situations saying oh you just need to I'm not I'm not, I'm not saying you're saying this mate but ev- yep. everyone does you do, you yep. just need to do this and it's like you can't yep. you can't do it like, I just pulled up a mortgage calculator when you were talking right so if you wanted a 25 year mortgage a principal and interest free payments with $800,000 you're paying $1,250 a week a week and you're going to be doing that for a quarter of a century now maybe I can extend that out to thirty years, and again I will be I'll be paying off this thing uh, right through to when I retire. It actually only reduces it by a little bit. It's now gone for one thousand one hundred and seventy dollars a week. You know, if interest rates, God forbid, were to go up another quarter of a percent, you know that that changes it all radically too. So my my position, and not that I disagree with anything you said, but it's just sort of like unless those options are there, it's it's just it's purely academic. It's not in the realms. Of of possibilities, I so just just to push on that point of saying if you can afford it, I, I'm going to go out and hear him and say I bet you can't, I bet you can't afford it unless one of those those three things is true, or you're very you're very you're happy to live in a caravan or some. Or, and then, no judgment, by the way, that, that's a personal choice. If you want to, then great. But other than that, there is there is no alternative, right? Mm. It's a it's a Tina type scenario. Um, oh, what's the other point I was going to make? Um, oh, the the other thing too is just I, I hear what you're saying in terms of reliability of income, but talk to anyone in the teachers union or the hospital union. Mm. You know, like, but they're not losing they, their jobs anytime soon, mate. You could work as a nurse from 25 to 65 and assume you're always going to be in, in work. Assume oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. That's my point about reliability. Index now, now, okay, absolutely. And you're right. I'm not I'm not questioning that. But all I'm saying is. That's a nice to have. It's it's a great to have, in fact. But I would look at those incomes in real terms. So let's in, adjust for inflation along the way. And you're actually, I would say, 
your pay is going backwards. That's that's historically been the case. But that's still okay, mate. I, I, I hear what you're saying. I think you're a little bit jaundiced about it because you pay even if it goes backwards in in against inflation, your home is bought in two thousand twenty four dollars. So it doesn't even it doesn't even need to go forwards from. Yeah, that. But you also have to, to be eat affordable and clothe yeah. yourself and and the rest of it. So so your disposable right. income to service. You're right to service that fixed. I mean it is it is it is becoming more difficult in despite pay rises, which which lag uh, inflation, reported inflation. <laughs> I would I would I would I would bet you a bottle of wine that in twenty years time, nurses and teachers have higher real incomes than they do today. Ooh. I would happily make that bet. Yeah. Oh, why? Because oh, yeah. I traditionally have. I, I think uh, that the chance that the chance that a union can't get a with uh, take take the last two years out. That's what I'm saying from now. I'm not saying from 1980. From today, I would bet that teachers and nurses end up with higher real incomes in 20 years time. Yeah. In any case, in any case, the question they've got really, okay. I think, and this is where I don't. I, I don't disagree with any of your points, with the exception that we need to move on anyway, by the way, at some point. Um, with any of your points, except that they have to either rent or buy and they can't change the system. We'll talk about how the system could be changed, but they can't change the system. They either have to buy or not and they have to pay a price they're comfortable with or not. And they're really saying how much could or should we afford to pay towards that. Uh, you know, so Saying, well, don't wait till the system changes, I think it's probably unlikely to work out well for them. You can't either rent or, or, or buy from today. So what what would you do, mate? Would you would you simply rent? Do you think that's a better option? Or no, renting you... sucks. Oh God, right. don't rent. But then, but so you don't then, have so you don't buy, have a choice. Buy something then. Right. Well, have, they, well, then they're buying yeah. if they can afford. They're, they're prepared to move away. It's a big if to a price. They're prepared oh, well, to move away somewhere to a price they can. That's what they're saying. Yeah, they're absolutely saying they're going to move an hour away. So how much should they pay? That's 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 the premise of the question. We're going to move an hour north or south okay. to a place we can afford. Yep. How much should we? How much should we borrow? Okay. They said relative to that to the okay. house. We're saying yep. relative to the income. Yeah. Okay. I've gone off. I've gone way off. Ten, but a little. The, the, my, the, the answer stands though, right? So whatever you're comfortable. <laughs> yes. With. Yeah. Be- bearing in mind those things, I, I had to do a quick Google. Um, yep. Nurses' wages have declined in real terms by twenty percent over the last ten years. Twenty percent decline. <laughs> Uh, so I don't know. I might be tempted to take you off on that bottle of wine. Uh, <laughs> Deal. Let's do it for fun anyway. Let's do it for fun. In 2044, someone will remind us of this yeah, bet, and I'll yeah. probably have to buy you a bottle of wine. So, so I, look, it, it, <laughs> it's 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 just it's diabolical, is, is what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. And I just I really get totally. sick of the you need to work harder kind of thing. I just it, totally. it is it is maths and reality that you are arguing against. Yeah. And for someone, and particularly a generation, to have bought. Um, housing at three to four times mm. average income, single incomes, and now expect mm. people in Sydney to pay thirteen times dual incomes, and then say you're not working hard enough. <laughs> it's just, it is, it is. Did you see the Australia Day lamb ad? By the way, uh, I did actually. Yeah. Is that good? I thought that, I thought it was pretty good actually. I thought, I thought, it, was, I thought it was pretty clever. I very was clever. clever. You know, I, I love the bit where it was just like, here, have a free house to the boomers. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> I so, like that bit. I loved it. I loved it uh, so much. Yeah. Um, but it is it, it is it is a scenario where it is um, we are we are we are so poor as a nation and as a society because all of our economic energy goes into servicing these monstrous debts. Think about the number of businesses that would have started in a different in a different cost environment. The jobs that would have been created, the wealth that would have been created, the products and services that would have been created. Think about the level of household harmony, stress, mm. all of that. That would be. I mean, how imagine is, all the people living life in peace. I, you know, it, it's it's hard not to have a yeah. conversation almost about anything economically in this country. And in fact, it's mm-hmm. not a it's not a unique phenomenon to Australia. There's a great article mm. in the Financial Times. I don't know if you saw mm. last week talking about the situation in the UK and Australia. Back in the UK, the last time housing was this unaffordable, I think Queen Victoria was on the throne. Like, it, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And it's so it's it's a it's a phenomenon that that goes beyond Australia. It's just Australia, we punch above our weight mm. massively. Mm. Like we are we are king king of the hill when yeah. it comes to sort yeah. of what what we have have sort of done but my 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 broader point here is that it's it has now been become as a means to get ahead and the way that you get ahead is not by producing anything or making anything of value but by speculating on house price i mean people laugh at bitcoin for god's sake you know this, this is this this is this is an entire country that is that has put every Everything it's got, and it's got a lot of stuff because of good luck with our geology, into into housing, and it impacts every level of society. Whether or not you're a housing investor or anything, it's just like it it 
we all need a place to live and we don't have it. A massive failure of policy, massive, um, massive opportunity costs, and it's just the most depressing thing ever. <laughs> and, and I think one, one of the other things I'll say, because we're very div dividing people with this conversation. I think you and I are a good example. You've got a house you bought relatively early. Yeah. I, I didn't. Yep. So we, we, I'm, I'm too far on one part of the spectrum and you're probably 100%. too far or the other because 100%. we all inform ourselves with our own unique situation. And whenever I have conversations about this, and I have conversations about this a lot, as you can imagine, that the person I'm talking to is a renter. They have a very different perspective than the person is buying. And it's, it's hard to, you know, if you want to understand someone, walk a mile in their shoes kind of thing. And I think both of us need to perhaps come a little bit closer together to to understand that these conversations shouldn't be, and I'm saying this to myself more than anyone because it's I know what I do, but to frame it in a situation that's beyond my immediate self and my particular situation and, and shaking the fist at the sky. Mm. I think if I was uh, given, if I win Powerball tonight and win $100 million, I still think it's a, an argument to be made here that something is 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 so fundamentally broken and that the 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 while there is a um, begrudging, and slow recognition of that by the powers mm. that be. There is still nothing to be done about it. And even if there was something that was effective, and I'm keen to hear your thoughts, that could be done about <laughs> it um, and is done about it, they're still like mm. five, 10 years away before that starts to sort of have move the needle because of the lag effects that are at play. So it's just, it's so depressing. I'm only laughing because um, Brennan asked how much you should pay and uh, you've got to solve the whole thing. <laughs> he said rant. And he said to rant. <laughs> he, did, he, did, he did. The answer, by the way, the rant sir, lasted 36 minutes. Yes. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. So Brennan's second question, speaking of rant, was if you have time, another question is, are we losing sight of the Australian dream? Yes. People immigrate here for a better life to which they came, uh, to, uh, from which they come. However, I am a skilled member of society born here and cannot afford to rent or buy in my own city's surrounding areas, the places where my family and friends are. I thought we were the lucky country, says Brendan. Mm. Um, thanks a lot, Legends, he finishes with Brendan. <laughs> um, mate, I, I want to be really careful of being a man with a hammer. Um, I think... But I, but I, we've added seven odd million, eight odd million people to Australia since the Olympics in 2000. And we're not building enough houses. I think I'm not convinced that any of the, culturally we've taken on as a group, this idea that, as you say, housing goes up. And so we, we financialize housing. That's all true. Ha has gone Fair up. Oh, sorry, what did I say? You said housing goes up. Well, no, so we've, we've got this idea that it does. Oh, sorry. Okay, right. Yes. You got right. the idea that housing goes up. Uh, and I, so we financialized it. But if I really try and strip back the reasons, like I genuinely strip back the reasons, I think a lot of the historical increase has been second incomes, lower interest rates, uh, higher LVRs, things you've already talked about, lower buffers. Those things, are, those things are true. But if I think about the more recent changes and the changes from here, I'm not sure how much of the things that we think are a problem are policy issues. And I'm frankly not sure how many of those things, if removed, would make a massive difference to the outcomes for, for buyers other than, and you and I talk a lot about government and, and markets and other things, other than going straight back to just fundamental bottom line supply and demand. Yeah. If there was, if there was a 4%, 5% vacancy rate in Australia, then people would be able to pick and choose. And I say Australia as a whole, it obviously matters by state, by city, by region, by suburb. But but people would pick and choose based on based on that. And I and I think you know I would I would stop negative gearing. I would grandfather it for those who have it because I don't think blowing up the economy or those people is smart. Um, but I would get rid of negative gearing. I would re-index capital gains and take away the fifty percent discount. That would have a moderate effect on the growth of prices because it'd be slightly less attractive to own an investment property, right? So that-, that I, 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 th I think I agree. I just to very quickly, I, I think yeah, people please. people advocate for that. And I, I'm, I've got a lot of sympathy for that. I don't think it's a silver, and you're saying this, so I'm agreeing with you. It's not the silver bullet that people think Correct. it is. Like if only right. we got rid of that, everything would be fine. Right. And so I kind of come down to, mate, I, again, I, I've, I've, you know, I've talked about, um, you know, I've talked about 
um, uh, you know, immigration before population growth before. And I, I, that's why I'm aware of the man with the hammer thing. Because mm. um, you never talk about property at all. So, you know. <laughs> um, but I, I kind of, I, I kind of just think it's straight out supply and demand. And so you either say, we need a shedload more houses or we need population to grow less quickly. I just, I really honestly don't think fundamentally we, could, no, we, we can and should change those rules because those policies because it matters. First homeowners grant should be killed. See, uh, capital gains tax re-index, negative gearing stopped. Those things, those things would make a small difference and, and, and a worthwhile difference and a worthy difference and we should do them. I don't think we, uh, in the context of, and again, we talked about this before, the environment, the infrastructure, the social cohesion you talked about, household happiness, frankly, mm. all those things. I don't think an Australia with 35, 45, 50 million people anytime soon, maybe ever, but it, certainly anytime soon, is even slightly smart while we've got a vacancy rate below a certain amount. I, I, I think, the more I think about it, I think if we, if we believe that housing policy, not even that, sorry, housing outcomes are a meaningful determinant of quality of life, and they are, and you've talked about exactly very passionately why they are, because it's a proportion of income and it's a sh- piece of shelter, and those things are very different, but also exactly the same thing, mm-hmm. i.e., I should be able to live somewhere and afford to pay for it, because that kind of just makes it's sense. It's fundamental to everything else. Right? Yeah. And so, I, I, I honestly, can we build some more? Probably. Um, if we can build some more high-density train stations, some people might want to live there, but if people don't want to live there, but they're forced to because it's all they can afford, they don't really want to live there and you're not really solving a problem. You're just, you're just changing some numbers on a spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. If you said to Australia writ large, hey guys, where do you want to live? Okay, cool. Well, for that to happen, this is what we would have to do. That's the real conversation rather than, I'm, not, I'm, I'm okay with adding supply, by the way, but sprawling into more farms and bushland, I think it's a reasonably crap environmental outcome. Building more high density. If people want to live there, by the way, great. If we have 5% vacancy rates, and all the all the train station you know adjacent units are chockers. Then great. What we've what we've what we've worked out is people really want that. And that's fantastic. I love it. I'm not telling people where to live, but that's exactly the point. Nor does anyone else. You know, building more high density just because we think that's where people need to go because it makes some you know sense on a spreadsheet. I I I really honestly I don't want to be that guy, but I'm kind of turning into that guy because I don't see how it's not fundamentally just a question of population relative to dwelling stock, and dwelling stock in the context of what we want, can afford, and frankly, the places it should be. I, I, I just, yeah. Like again, I don't, I don't want to reduce. No, it's not. It's not even a controversial take. I mean, it, it, I mean, I there's probably well, only is, though, right? there's probably only eight <laughs> or nine big ideas in economics, and supply right. and demand is one of them. Right? right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, it, it's literally how prices are set. <laughs> it, it, yeah, whether it's whether it's yeah, oil or yeah. cryptocurrencies yeah. or whatever, it's supply versus demand. That's what sets prices, right? That's what it is, and so. When you have very, very small supply that's not growing fast and you add a huge amount of demand, whether that demand comes through tax incentives or whether it comes through immigration policy or whatever it is, whatever the demand comes from, uh, I mean, that dynamic is the only way that clears is by prices going up. Full stop. Like, it's, that, that's it. I say, you're, I 100% agree. The trouble is, is that we've painted ourselves into a corner that we've ranted on this before. I certainly have, which is like everyone talks about affordability, but no one wants to talk about that in the context of prices coming down. You know, so, so, so how? how? How do you make things more affordable while prices continue to go up at the rate right. that we've become accustomed to and expect? Right, exactly. Yes, yes. How, how do you do that? I mean, well, wage, wages are the only answer that, that squares that circle excellent. while, as you say, prices keep going up. Excellent, yes. excellent. So how do wages go up? Right. Well, productivity has to go up. You know, so- mm-hmm. Got to remember, these things just don't come out of a vacuum. It's, the, the, the money that you earn is a reflection of, at least in a free and open and properly functioning market, a reflection of the mm-hmm. value that you yourself create for society, right? That's, that's, what, that's mm-hmm. what you get. <laughs> and, and let's say that we magically waved a wand and we gave everyone in Australia a 20% pay rise. Yeah. Guess what? It solves nothing. Like, yeah. like, I think a 13-year-old would instantly recognize that that doesn't Correct. change anything, right? Yes. So, so you're right. I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong, but you're right in the sense that- I'm not saying it's a solution. I was, I was answering the, the algebra question. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There, there yeah. is a way it can happen, or the way, the way it would have to happen. If prices keep going up and it's more affordable, wages have to go up faster than prices. So let's, that, that is the mathematics. Let's, and, and let's, it's exactly right. And that's where I'm going with. Let's, so let's do the yep. maths of this, right? So we still, yep. want, we still want, we want a cake and we want to eat it too. So let's think of that through. So I want- I want a 10% per annum increase in my house price and I want that affordability to come down. So very basically, I yep. need to see, and, and because wages are, should be a function of what is produced in the real economy, mm-hmm. I need, we need to, as a country, grow the economy 
by more than 10% per year and make sure that's equitably shared. Right. Now, historically, there's, we there's, tend there's to see- inflation there too, just quietly in both numbers, but yes, sure. other than that, you're absolutely Yeah, we right. absolutely. We net that out if yeah. you like, but you know, yes. basically the economy grows usually- between two to three percent per that's year. Right, exactly. So we're not so, getting to ten anytime soon. China's only doing five and a bit. We're not getting to ten. China's doing, and that's like completely cooked, right? So that that is that is completely. You know, that's a whole other conversation. But <laughs> my my point being, if if someone out there, I've seen politicians do this, basically argue mm. for that. It's just like, okay, Einstein, how do we <laughs> how do we how do we grow the economy mm. at double digit rates, right? In in mm-hmm. in. In, in, for a sustained period of time for a developed, fairly mature economy. Like it's, it's, I, I'll go as far as to say it's impossible. It is impossible that that cannot be sustained. Maybe we'll have a really great year or two here and there. Even then, I feel as though if the Australian economy ever posts a 10% GDP growth, I mean, something interesting has really gone on there. Um, so so it, it's unsolvable. So, what, so I guess what I'm saying is while you are right, it's, it's not going to happen. Like Correct. it's Correct. it's not going to happen. Yep. So here's my yep. solution that no one talks about, right? Mm-hmm. And again, we, we we everything is framed within owning a house. And mm-hmm. I would say, why does that have to be the goal? Let's let's mm-hmm. be more broad here. What owning or not owning is not really what we're interested in here. What people <laughs> want is security mm-hmm. of of shelter. I want somewhere where I can be sure I have, I have security that I know that I can be there. I've got somewhere to live, to raise a family, and that there's not going to be any nasty shocks. That's what I really want. It just turns out that in Australia, the only way to do that is to own. Because if you rent, you get kicked out every 12 months. You have to live with mold and you have to fight you know, tooth and nail because you know, there's, there's a gaping hole in your roof with black mold growing everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's, so I would say change, if you change the rental laws – You'll go a long way to fixing the problem. Now, everyone will go, oh, that's too hard. And that, that, that's, that means my investment's not going to be good. It's like, well, it's not a God-given right that you get to buy something which grows at 10% per annum when, when th- there's, a, there's a family at play here. Again, we've financialized it so far. We've abstracted it so far away from what it actually is that I think people forget that. And I, I actually think that property investing is a wonderful thing in concept and, sh- and I encourage it. Yeah. But I think that that investment comes with with obligations. Now, if I'm Macquarie Bank and I'm issuing financial products, thank goodness there's people like APRA and ASIC out there saying, well, go for it, fill your boots. But <laughs> there are certain rules with the products that you create. And even that, they probably get away with more than what they should. But there are, there are, there are rules. So I would say, fill your boots. I don't, I don't care. People say, oh, we should limit how many people how many properties and investment properties people should have, or you shouldn't be able to Airbnb. No, nah, it's your property. You do what you like. I don't care. Mm. But if you do choose to rent it out, there is a very real obligation that there must be certain standards that are met. There are, there, I, would, I would say that you, you, um, if you choose to make an investment in investment property, that, that you have no – the only reason that you should kick someone out is if they destroy the place or damage it very badly or don't pay the rent. Barring those two situations, I don't think that you should have the right – to play with people's lives and just kick them out. You can still sell the property and you'll sell it to another investor who is looking at that. In any sane world, a tenanted property that's been on the market, that's, that's had a reliable tenant in there for any, like any, mm. any sane investor will look at that as, as a very, very positive thing, not a negative thing, mm. right? Mm. We're getting to the stage of like the Chinese where they just leave the, the properties vacant because they don't want it damaged. And so it doesn't even have an income capacity to it. In fact, that's what we have here is like 40% of investment properties are negatively geared. So in other words, they bleed, they bleed cash. So it's so it's all Ponzi, right? So so if you fix that, I mean, no property investors will be falling off their chair and throwing stuff at the podcast machine right now. But it's like I don't think it's too much to ask that if you if you choose to have an investment in this space, then there are certain obligations that 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 come with that, right? Like is yeah. that is that un, is that unreasonable? And if and if you turn around and go that's that, that that makes it really unattractive, well, don't do it then. Buy some shares, buy some bonds, buy an emu farm, buy some Bitcoin. I don't know. Buy whatever the hell you want. But it, 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 is, it is shelter first. And then if you're Correct. going to invest in it, then there are just rules. I can't mm. have it where I'm allowed to cram 15 people in there and not worry about the fact that there's no running water or electric. I mean, that, that, is, mm. that is slave-like conditions. And we, that, that is, I think, where we have lost our way. So you would find that if you pass some laws here, that it would, it would make – investment property less attractive, not unattractive, less attractive. That would add more supply to the market. It would also take demand out of the market because now it's not an untenable thing to rent. 
I would rent for the rest of my life and be perfectly happy doing that. Uh, in fact, the maths works out much more favorably when you use certain, I think, conservative long assumptions based on long-term trends. Um, but no one's talking about that. Every, everything is about throwing more money at it from the government. And no one seems to realize that government money is our money. Right? Yeah, <laughs> they, they tax or borrow for. So it's just sort of like these, these Ponzi economics are not the solution. And the, the definition of madness is trying the same thing again and again and again, expecting a different outcome. It's 2024. We've been doing this for well over a decade now and it's just not <laughs> working. So let's, yeah, let's think true. a little bit outside of the box. Let's go to look at other places where it's had a lot of success. Like uh, Germany's a great example, right, as well. It's like people lease for life and are very happy, very productive. Um, have, you take away all of the negativities and all of a sudden uh, a lot of these problems uh, are resolved. And if the only way that this is a tenable investment is that you have to screw people over and just get them to tread water for for a year or two while help you service the mortgage before you kick them out and flip them. That is that is something again that is fundamentally broken with the system. I think that's a really good summary, mate. Um, yeah, I, I just I don't I just don't know how we fix it without increasing the vacancy rates. I don't I don't think there is a solution to that, and I think that's. That's the fundamental problem. I think anything else is, we we are, as individuals, we have outbid each other because we wanted to, and that's cultural, and we're not going to change that. The element of chose to rather than had to, because there's people yelling at the pop machine saying, "Well, hang on, what do you mean chose to? I have to buy a house. I have to live somewhere." Mm. That comes down to just straight out supply and demand. If there's an empty house at the end of the street, the rest of the street's going to go for less because you mm -hmm. can change and go live in that house instead. Yep. If they're all full and there's five people wanting four houses then you get prices going through the roof. I just, I just don't think it's any more complex than that. Mm -hmm. Again, I would change other things because they are absolutely contributors, but they're, they're, pretty, they're, pretty, you know, <laughs> they're pretty simple side contributors. By the way, um, that reproach would end up with lower house prices, and that's no bad thing. Um, but, uh, and, and, you know, the renting thing becomes, a, hopefully it's up for most people. A few people, it's a necessity for the rest of the people. Hopefully it's a choice mm -hmm. because you can afford to choose the option of, I could actually buy the house for, this price rather than the price it currently is and which makes renting more attractive from a from a financial perspective and then you have that genuine choice i just i don't know i'm sure there are other ways to allow for and to take in more population and i'm open to that if we can do it in a way that is socially environmentally responsible and frankly economically responsible given the infrastructure costs of you know more more dwellings in, in similar places or new dwellings in new places that the whole infrastructure built for them there's a bloody new estate opening up oh, not even near me 25 minutes away from me um, but they're putting a new road overpass, a freeway overpass and all that kind of stuff. And I kind of try to do the maths and kind of think, I don't know how you put, and there might be, I don't know, hundreds of houses going in, but for a, for a freeway that's going to cost, or overpass is going to cost, I don't know what they cost, hundred and something million dollars? Is that, is that what a, you know, overpass with off-ramps and stuff would cost? Oh, I, just I, 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 I wouldn't be think, off a, far off a billion potentially. Right, so you yeah. kind of do the maths and say, hang on, so we're putting this many houses in and we're spending this much to do it. Mm. Remind me again where the, where the ROI is. And I just, again, I'm not, I'm not anti-development, I'm not anti-growth, I'm not anti-population growth. If we can make it work in a, in a reasonable way, I just honestly, I, I, I think if you, if, so, if you said to someone, here's some empty land, here's how much it's going to cost to put people there, here's what they're going to get in return from it, you or I would say, you want me to do what? With what? No, go to hell. I'm not, I'm yeah. not doing that. Yeah. Um, and yet we do it because we kind of think that growth is what we have to have. We're effectively cross-subsidizing the, the growth for reasons that we think are going to be incrementally valuable. And again, I'm I'm really not an anti-population person. I don't know what the right number well, What's the right number? I don't know. But it's not a billion and it's not two. Mm. So it's somewhere in between there. And mm. that's the conversation we need to have because at the moment all we're doing is pushing up house prices, screwing the environment. Um, putting massive pressure on infrastructure. You wait till the next drought and Warragambi Dam in Sydney or the, the Wyvernhoe Dam in Brisbane or whatever uh, gets to low levels again. And we kind of ask ourselves, well, hang on, what, you know, do we build a bigger dam? Maybe, but why? So we can have more people. Well, why do we want more people? Because we want more money. What, so we can build bigger dams? Yeah. Okay, unscramble that egg for me. Mm. Uh, I don't know. And it, I, I, I'm really, really struggling at the moment. I, I just don't see how it's not. Uh, that, you know, whatever the right number is, 2%, 5%, 10%, legacy, whatever that right number is, that surely is the starting point for housing policy and population policy. And then we can work on more infrastructure or satellite cities or higher density or whatever else we want to do. But in the meantime, it's just, it just madness. It's absolutely yeah. madness. I actually don't think there is a solution that will come. Any solution that comes will come, will, will drag us kicking and screaming towards it. There'll, there'll be a reach a yeah. point where the sheer volume of debt and its unsustainability will just mm. will just collapse on itself at some point. Because, 
I mean, it's the Charlie Munger, show me the incentive, I'll show you the outcome. I mean, yeah. what politician in their right mind is going to advocate for anything that sends prices down? Like you are Correct. mad, you are Correct. gone in, in an instant, right? Yep. You've got a third of the population that own a house outright, and you've got another third that are in the process of paying it off. So you've got two thirds of the population who do not want to see the value of that as they go down <laughs> and are not going to vote for it a, yes, a, as yeah. well. So we, we, we have painted ourselves into a corner where it's kind of – unsolvable um uh without Except without that yeah. i still reckon there's a midpoint mate i still re- if you if you said i can't have house prices go down but i can have them not go up there is a glide path for and again i'll jump back on my hobby horse and flog it one last time there is a glide path for population which would say throw three actuaries in a room say guys do the maths an economist and a, and a mathematician and a, someone else and say right do the maths for me if i want prices to stay level but not grow so no, no one loses out, right? Not, not no oh, yeah. variability, but you know what I mean. Mm. But effectively, we say, right, the average house price in Australia doesn't go down. But over time, we have inflation, we have economic growth, we have whatever, and we'll have population come in at a rate which allows for those prices to not go down, but not go up because we're adding dwellings at a faster rate than population or at the same rate or whatever that, like, you know what I mean? And again, I'm not saying it's perfect. You can't do it to exactly the zero decimal place. But there is a point somewhere there where you get to say, we can, you know, again, politically versus whatever. And I, I don't think it's unreasonable, mate. If 60% of the population don't want their asset values to go down, we're not going to be able to force them to short of a revolution. And I'm not a fan of that. So no, I'm not either. I'm not either. Not right, either. right. So yeah. here's the deal. Stuff's too affordable, unaffordable. We want to improve affordability, but we don't want you to lose any money. So what we do is a X year glide path, which it, it's, it's absolutely possible. It's even politically feasible with a bit of courage. We simply say, we're just going to moderate the rate of growth. That's, that, that's the solution, right? And owner-occupiers say, yeah, cool, no worries. And the occasional investor might be a bit annoyed, but the every, every renter and every potential home buyer says, thank God you're doing something for me. Surely it's not hard to, to find a majority there, is it? Uh, Maybe well, it one, it's a very narrow... <laughs> no, I mean, no, you're right. Mathematically, you're right. But there, I, I guess there'd be two areas that I would be concerned about. One is it's a very narrow, fine line to walk. True. You know, so so getting that balance exactly right is going to be hard, even though in theory that's it's possible. The other one is I was trying to Google it while while you were talking, but I forget. But mm. the the well, every single property investor out there has made an investment on the belief or expectation that property yeah. will grow at a certain rate. Yep. Now now if you explicitly come up with policy that says no, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna engineer it. <laughs> So yeah. that there's no growth, yeah, you're yeah. out. So you're back to the first problem. You're gone. No, no, I'm going to vote. This guy's going to continue continue things going my way. So and so so you're out there. And and then even even within those that might think, okay, that's all right. I'm happy with that because it's 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 going to store my wealth. Mm. It's not going to grow my wealth, but it's going to store my wealth. What about the forty percent of property investors that are negatively geared? Now they're only they're only. The only way that makes sense is because there's an mm. eventual capital gain that, that compensates you for the loss that you make along the way once mm. you factor in tax and blah, 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 and all, and all the rest of it. So now you're saying, actually, these investments that you've made are guaranteed to lose because there's going to be no capital growth. So, so you're not, we're not even – on one for, for half of you, roughly speaking, we're saying all those capital gains you're banking on, they're not going to happen. <laughs> for the other half, you're actually going to lose money. So, you, yeah. you, so, so this is why I say it's, it's kind of impossible. It, it, can't, it can't be solved without paying. Lead to, at some point, to your point, because if house prices can increase at, at, at larger than wages levels. Yeah, it will. Then you, you won't you're in a position. Well, it can't eventually, right? Because people can't pay the rent. Sorry, it will, fix, it will fix itself. Oh, sorry. It will fix yeah. itself. Yes, yes. Yeah, in, in the sense, and this isn't like I think because I think this is, well, one, it's mass. And two, it's just like look at every single, like without exception, every single example in the history of the world since the ancient <laughs> Greeks, right? Like th- these things, it, it's called creative destruction. The economists yeah. even have a term for it, right? It's actually on, on a broad enough scale, a good thing. You actually want to clear out all of this kind of stuff and generally speaking it only happens when well it, it only happens when when it when it has to happen right so when i was reading some history on china during the break as well right like the communist revolution and all that kind mm. of stuff there's a big property bubble that sort of helped 
Did that was there de- really deficit? Deficit spending was out of control. Ah. Money printing was was beyond you know. And then and guess what? All of the farmers and that were up in arms because it sucks. Because if I didn't own a property, I was getting poorer and poorer and poorer. And those that own property were getting nominally key word there nominally richer and richer and yep. richer and richer. Massive gap occurred. Revolution followed. It happened. It happened in Sri Lanka. It happened everywhere at every point. Like I'm I'm talking about phenomena that play out over decades, right? So don't don't at me. Right, right, next year yeah. and say, oh, I thought you said that. Like, no, but but again, it will. It, it kind of it kind of has to go that way because we we we're, we're the we're the person who has just been. We're on our fourth bottle of tequila. We're completely hammered. Uh, Hypothetically, not you and I. Just <laughs> you, you we're, know. we're not we're not but yet drinking tequila. There is you you and I and the greatest minds in the world can get together. <laughs> How are we going to avoid this hangover? How is yeah. tomorrow going to be real? It's not. It's not going to be good. The, mm-hmm. the only thing we can do is kick the can down the col- uh, the road. So we'll, we'll drink another bottle of tequila and that'll delay it. And I'll be just like, eh, you know, it, you, you're just delaying the inevitable at at a certain point. And it it kind of so what so what I would do. Is I would say I would certainly never short housing in this country. I wouldn't be surprised if we go up thirteen percent this year because hey, it's Australia and those cans can always be kicked a little bit further. And there's various other levers that can be pulled. You watch, even Costello's come out and said, "Don't touch super," because people are agitating to touch super. And we've talked about it before. I will guarantee. I will bet my firstborn that they are they're going to raid that honeypot before too long right so there's all kinds of strings that will be pulled and i am absolutely convinced that property will continue to go up in the in the near term but i am saying at some point it is well it's really just a game of chicken and i for one uh don't want to play that game so i would be uh i would be very cautious with take with leveraging myself to fairly extreme degrees on an expectation that this is going to go for a long time it might but it might not. And if it doesn't, we're going to find out that leverage is a double-edged sword. And you saw what happened with Opal Towers recently. So that's been going, they've been kicking around. I think that was discovered in 2018, maybe 2019. And uh, horrible, horrible situation for these poor people who bought off the plan. And what happened? Government bailed them out. Right. But now, I'm not, let's not get into the debate of whether they should or shouldn't have happened. <laughs> but I often do think if you or I got up there and said, oh, I bought all these shares in, I don't know, lithium.com and they've gone down 60%, can taxpayers bail me out of them? Like, no, get stuffed. What the hell? Like, and it just, but, but that's the kind of thing that, that, is, that is going, uh, I, I think, is, is going to happen. And we will have such political pressure to do that. So there's, also, there's almost... There's all, there's a small part of me that thinks actually if you can't beat them join them I really should yeah. just go to the eyeballs and yeah, just and, yeah, right. and just and just yeah. because it's that it's that idea of if you owe the bank a bit of money it's your problem if you owe the bank a lot of money it's their problem and it's that point where it's just like we are also screwed as a society I might as well just go because if go right to the very edge and beyond because if if it goes bad I'll be fine because everyone will get bailed out together, right? The person who loses in that scenario is the person who's quote unquote smart and conservative and sits there going, I'm not going to take on a huge amount of debt. And I can say even without going into the future, just looking historically, like I, I, everything I did was because of conservatism. I didn't want to take on huge amounts of debt. I did want to create a business. I did want to do all, you know, it's like, huh, that was the exact opposite of what I should have done. In hindsight, with my benefit of, 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 with the benefit of hindsight, what should have I done? I should have just plowed everything into property when I was, as soon as I could have. Now, did I create any value for the country? No. Did I do anything productive whatsoever? No. Would have I been far better off? Yes. <laughs> was I at risk of, of being unwound and margin called for want of a better term along the way? Yes. Was I playing with fire? Yes. Did it go wrong? Well, not so far. So, so the, 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 this is the other trouble with it. We've, we're the, we're the children that have done the wrong thing but have been rewarded for it for so long that it's mm. almost un- inconceivable that anything else could happen at this point. And, and that, that part of me, I do sometimes think of that. It's just like, you know, if it's the George Costanza. If everything you have done is wrong, the opposite <laughs> must be right. <laughs> right? You're the ultimate contrarian indicator. Is that what you're telling me? I think so, and I and I I, I just I like it, it. It doesn't make any sense from a first principles, a rational kind of perspective. But when when there is a collective, mm. the punishment will be collective, 
And like, let's say, let's say everything drops 30, 40% tomorrow. And I don't think I'll be there going, ha, 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 sucked in. You're all really dumb. No, I'm, I'm going to suffer too because the economy is going to go into a tailspin. All my shares are going to, to go down. You know, I, I probably lose half of my customer. I mean, it's going to be really bad. I'm not, I, I do not want that to happen. So it's kind of like I'm in a situation here. It's like I, I, I get all the downside and I've missed out on the upside. I, yeah, I, that's right. I might as well just join the party at this point. Mm-hmm. Are we? Is this going well, to be? No, a, is this going to be a mailbag where we've just literally done one question? When you, when you say we, <laughs> I spoke for a little bit of that time. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> we are though an hour and four minutes into the podcast, Ram. And we've had, we, well, to be fair, Brendan asked two questions. Okay, so we can we can claim it's a two, qu- two question mailbag. Okay, though the answer to the first question kind of bled into the second, so uh, we may find people will take exception with that. So, well, so, so I was now. just going to say the first two episodes of this year. Well, Bitcoin came up in the Friday one and then property mm-hmm. came up in this one. And it's just like, mm-hmm. you know. Do you wonder why <laughs> what I did you ask questions about Bitcoin and property, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, that was a fun, that was a fun oh. chat. I have absolutely no doubt that anyone still listening has thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, or you are just absolute masochists and you only have yourselves to blame. But in any case, <laughs> thank you for spending an hour or so with us. So hopefully your Sunday morning is off to a pretty good start or as Andrew says your Thursday or Tuesday afternoon depending <laughs> exactly. on this podcast we are in a we're in a global world of time shifting and all sorts of fun stuff yep. and uh, despite that property still keeps going up <laughs> uh, on that on that note thank you for listening and until next Friday when Ram will rejoin me and I will probably embargo both Bitcoin and property yeah good long. call yeah and I, I apologise <laughs> cheers <laughs> yeah. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under Financial Services Licence 400691.